This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Good afternoon to you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Jason Kong. The pleasure, as always, of being here with with the full team today. Got the full crew. We've got Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson, both with Transitions Life Care. Mary, how are you? I'm doing well. I've been fostering a dog, and he went to his final destination yesterday, so I had a morning to myself, it felt like. (laughs) Drank my coffee in peace. (laughs) You you do it all, Mary. uh, Every week I learn something like, how do you have time for all this? It's very impressive. Sam, how are you? I'm good. I've got I do have to give you props. I don't know how you fostered a, a dog because I would most certainly be a foster fail. Yeah, absolutely. There's no way yeah. I could I could give the dog back. <laughs> I would be the same way. Well, uh, again, we're very excited for the show today. We've got a lot to get to, and we're going to start out talking about uh, something that I don't know that we've covered uh, in at least some time here, but mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about Medicare for Hospice, and we are very pleased to welcome on to the show Christy Clark. Christy is the Director of Corporate Affairs for Agape Care Group. Christy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah, it's something we haven't really covered, but it's something that we get a lot of questions about, especially mm-hmm. in our industry. I know, Christy, you do as well, where you are. So maybe start us off, what is hospice and what is the criteria for people to elect hospice on Medicare? Sure. Um, again, thank you for having me. This is such an important topic for us. I know you all are well aware of it as well, but one of the things that is just so important is that the there's such a stigma with hospice. Um People don't know what it is. They think it's just that imminent end of life. And really, they are missing part of the benefit that they have paid in for with their Medicare benefit. And it's such such a wonderful benefit. Um, hospice care is a type of health care. It focuses on the palliation of a terminally ill patient's pain and also their symptoms. Um, but it also focuses on more than just that. It focuses on an emotional and spiritual needs, which are which obviously happen at end of life. Um, so sometimes you'll hear it called comfort care. Uh, a lot of hospices focus on keeping your loved ones uh, comfortable at the end of life and ensuring that their quality of life is enhanced. Um, and that can be done, of course, by reducing the that pain and suffering that is um, that can absolutely happen. Mm-hmm. That's such an important benefit of hospice. Um, this is a question I get a lot when I'm out in the field mm-hmm. talking to patients and families: is what is covered by hospice by the hospice benefit on Medicare? Yeah, we get that a lot as mm-hmm. well. Um, <laughs> Well, to qualify for hospice, a uh, hospice doctor um, and your doctor, so if you have a doctor, then they must certify you that you are terminally ill. And the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services um, have a definition of that, meaning that you have to have a life expectancy of six months or less. Now, the important part of that is the end of that sentence, which is if the illness runs its normal course. Mm-hmm. So what that means is you don't necessarily, it's not six months and then you're kicked off hospice. Nothing like that. It just means that you have a terminal prognosis that most is six months or less. But we certainly have those that uh, patients that we care for that are on hospice much longer um, than six months. Mm-hmm. And 
So when you agree to hospice care, you're agreeing to that palliative care instead of curative care. And in doing so, you sign a statement saying that you're choosing hospice care instead of other Medicare benefits um, to treat that terminal illness and any related conditions. So once you elect hospice, then that coverage includes all the items and services which are needed for pain relief and symptom management, uh, medical, nursing, and social services. Um, a lot of times the drugs for that pain management, of course, are covered. Uh, a lot of times durable medical equipment for pain relief and symptom mm-hmm. management are also covered, as well as your um, aides coming in to help with um bathing and dressing and homemaker services. And then there are other covered services that you may need to manage your pain and symptoms, as well as that spiritual and grief counseling that I mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. for you and your family. That's awesome. I think a lot of people really don't realize just how much is covered by Medicare under hospice, especially with the medical equipment piece. I find when I talk to families a lot, they're really surprised to learn they Mm -hmm. can get medical equipment like a hospital bed or a bedside commode um, that's covered by Mm -hmm. the hospice Medicare benefit. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think that there's also a lot of misunderstandings about what hospice looks like, like what a team looks like. And, you know, a lot of people think it's just a hospice physician or I just get an aide or a nurse. But there's so much more to to hospice than that. Can you talk to us a little bit about what the hospice team actually looks like under the benefit? Absolutely. Um, Hospice uses a team approach, like you discussed. Um, A lot of people do think it's just nurses or maybe a physician visit, but it truly is a full team approach to providing care to ensure the best care is given to each patient and that all the needs are met, not just for the patient. And that's what a lot of people stop at, but also for the families and the the caregivers as well. Um, Hospice services, they're governed under what's called an IDG or an interdisciplinary group. Um, that IDG team, they're made up of those highly qualified, specially trained hospice professionals. Um, th- that team includes those physicians, nurses, but also social workers, chaplains, and spiritual counselors. And along with the IDG, you may have other members on the team present during those meetings. So when we have our IDG meetings, um, we meet fairly often, and those teams um, also come along with those certified nursing aides, therapists community relations personnel, volunteer coordinators, and sometimes trained volunteers even. Um, The reason you have so many disciplines in for these meetings is because we actually garner a lot of information and how that patient is changing. Um, They provide services according to their specific field of expertise, and that may come into play with that patient, but also with the family and what their needs are and if they're being met. And then all of that information provided in that IDG helps to drive what we call a plan of care. And that plan of care is ever-changing. It's a living document that changes as the patient changes. That sounds like a a full, whole-person approach. But also, it seems like the family is really covered under this benefit as well and, and benefits from these services. Absolutely. That's a very important component. You cannot expect to be a good caregiver and not have some sort of relief and care for yourself as well. Mm. That's a great point. So I had a question about, you mentioned there's physicians on the team. So um, I'll see this a lot too, you know, in our community. Um, A lot of people have had a physician that they've been seeing for 20, 30, (laughs) 40 years sometimes. Um, So I know with hospice, they also have hospice physicians that can follow patients. But if you have a really close relationship with your own primary care provider, are they still able to um, monitor your care or manage your care while you're under hospice? How does that work? 
They sure can. Um, that is up to you and the hospice and really up to the physician. So they absolutely can. We, we love when we have physicians that want to follow, but then our own physicians offer that for those who, one, the physician doesn't want to follow a hospice patient. And that's simply just because they're so busy. They want to be sure that they're giving all the attention to a family and patient. And a lot of physicians don't really understand the benefit as well. Uh, they're doing other type of care. So a lot of times you may feel comfortable staying with your physician. And if you are great and they're willing to do it, we love that. And if you don't, not a problem. We always have physicians that are able to follow you. We are speaking with Christy Clark. She is the Director of Corporate Affairs for Agape Care Group, and we're going to continue our conversation centered on Medicare and hospice right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson. Our guest on the line is Christy Clark. She is the Director of Corporate Affairs for Agape Care Group, and we are talking all about Medicare and hospice. And, um, you know, we covered a lot during the break, or before the break in the pre- previous segment, but uh, we want to get into a conversation now on levels of care. Yes, and I think it's it's such a good question to ask because when I'm talking to patients and families a lot of times, um, I think a lot of people think that hospice is a place, um, and that's not always necessarily the case, but sometimes it is. So um, can you talk to us a little bit about are there different levels of care of hospice and that's covered under the Medicare benefit, and where um, can people receive hospice care? That That's a great question, um, and you are correct that many people don't understand the benefit and they certainly don't understand, you know, is it a nursing home? Is it like going into a skilled nursing Mm -hmm. facility? Those types of things. Um, But hospice actually offers four levels of care. Uh, Another thing that a lot of people, they just think it's one level. Um, We don't, we don't usually deal with healthcare with lots of levels. And Mm -hmm. hospice is one of those really, really neat benefits that offers four levels of care. Um, The main one being routine home care, Um, but we have routine home care, continuous home care, respite care, and general inpatient care. But you mostly hear about that routine home care. Um, Mm -hmm. That's because routine home care is that common level of hospice care. Uh, Most patients start on this level of care. Um, Routine care is provided in that patient's home or residence. Um, That could be a private home. It could be an assisted living community, a skilled nursing facility. There's many, many different places. Um, And under that routine care, that patient receives regular visits from members of that care team um, based upon their specific needs. We had talked earlier about that plan of care, and that's sort of Mm -hmm. where this comes in. Um, Generally, hospice staff will visit anywhere between two to seven times per week, really depending on the patient's needs. Um, As that patient's condition changes, team members adjust their visits to accommodate these changes. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it could be less. 
but that's always something that is discussed also with the family. And then next would be that continuous home care. Uh, continuous home care is what I call the highest level of hospice care um, that a patient can receive in a home or their residential setting. It is provided during periods of crisis in which a patient's experienced symptoms or it's just unmanageable. In other words, it just cannot be managed in that routine level of care, but they're still at home. So some of those symptoms um, could require continuous nursing intervention. And what that means is up to 24 hours per day. So you are a nurse is there um, just providing that um, that care to to achieve that palliation and comfort. And then during continuous care, nurses would remain at that bedside um, for at least eight hours. That's where CMS comes in with their regulation. It needs to be at least eight hours um, in a 24-hour day until those symptoms are managed and then comfort is, is back at a good level. Um, the third level of care is respite, and that is my favorite level of care because mm-hmm. we just hit on caregiving and the importance of it. Caregiving plays a huge role in um, hospice, really in any health care, um, but respite care is provided to a patient for the purpose of allowing a family member and, or a caregiver a short break, usually up to five days um, from their duties. Um, so during respite care, patients can be transferred to a contracted skilled nursing facility um, that will manage the care of the patient with the hospice um, or in an inpatient, like for instance, Agape Care, we're one of the largest in South Carolina and in Georgia, and we have four inpatient hospice houses. Not everybody does, but we are so blessed to have four of them, and so they can come into one of our hospice houses, and we, of course, contract with other hospices to provide that as well. Uh, Respite care is only provided on an an occasional basis for a maximum of five days, and um, Again, like I said, this is one of my favorite levels because it is such a needed benefit mm-hmm. uh, for caregivers. It's great. Um, and then the fourth level of care is um, general inpatient care. General inpatient care takes place in um, if a patient experiences acute symptoms um, or they just cannot be safely managed in their home. So kind of if that continuous care is not available or not managed at home, then we would be able mm-hmm. to move them into a general inpatient care setting which again can be provided in a skilled facility or a hospice, hospice um, inpatient unit, um, like a hospice house. Um, but the key there is having a 24-hour registered nurse available to mm-hmm. manage those symptoms. The respite care is something that people just don't understand. It's yeah. such a great benefit that is provided at, with hospice. Absolutely. And it's just underutilized. Or don't even realize Absolutely. that they have access to it. So yeah. I'm really glad you hit on that. Um, A question for you, too, in follow-up to that. Uh, If someone were to start out on hospice care and let's say they're in a home setting, um, whether that be their private home, assisted living, independent living, and they need to move to maybe inpatient setting in in hospice, um, does Medicare still pay for that full cost if someone were to change locations? Um, So are you meaning like if they are in a routine setting Mm -hmm. at their home and they need to go to GIP? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great, great question. Um, absolutely. So um, if you just take um, our particular example of us having an inpatient unit, um, no matter if we own it or if we were uh, contracting with another hospice, if someone is at home and on hospice and we need to move them into a hospital setting um, that has GIP or into really a hospice inpatient unit or skilled nursing facility, then um, that general inpatient care level kicks in. 
And Medicare still covers that. And that is one of the only times something like room and board, with the exception of respite care, mm-hmm. would be covered in one of those units or in one of those hospice houses. So that that certainly is something that is such a benefit for those who do not want to go in the hospital, mm-hmm. but need a break or have symptoms that can't be managed at home. It's certainly a wonderful thing because their Medicare benefit is still providing the care and the cost for room and board for that. Mm-hmm. So there's something that comes up a lot and that we hear in conversations is, can I stop this med or do I have to stop this medication when mm-hmm. I'm admitted to hospice? Uh, does Medicare stop coverage of curative treatments or medications at admission, or is it just what's related to the terminal illness? Yeah, so that can be a gray area, and that is really a hospice philosophy question based on mm-hmm. um, what you as a hospice are providing. Um, when a pa- I can tell you that when a patient elects um, adult hospice, because we do have a pediatric side to our hospice called Hands of Hope. So that is a completely different, um, they, uh, pediatrics can always seek curative treatment along with hospice. But Mm -hmm. when an adult patient seeks hospice, um, that means a doctor certified them as terminally ill. Um, It uh, does not mean that those patients, um, again, have to be cut off at six months, but certainly should they choose to seek curative treatment, then that would be a time you would want to speak with, um, your family member or loved one or a doctor would speak with you about is hospice right for you at this time? Because this is really a palliative more approach. Um, We're always welcome to take them back. So let's say they get on hospice and they think, I'm just not quite ready to stop the curative treatment. Um, They certainly have the right to revoke that benefit and then come back on to us if they feel, okay, I feel better now or I'm ready for that more comfort care and palliative approach because mm-hmm. it, it certainly is um, for that. And, and we're always willing to take someone back as long as they are um, still considered um, hospice appropriate. But as far as if they can see curative treatment for another diagnosis, that gets a bit tricky. Um, there are not too many diagnoses that don't go hand in hand with a hospice terminal diagnosis. You can, um, you know, even things like a broken hip, you know, you always have to look back on um, if somebody slipped and fell that were on hospice and they broke their hip or they broke their leg, did that relate back? You know, is there is there dizziness with their terminal diagnosis? Or there's many, many things you can trace back to a terminal diagnosis. So you really have to look at those things and think, is this part of the terminal diagnosis? Mm-hmm. Therefore, Medicare covers it under the hospice benefit. But like I said, if you're not ready for hospice at the time, there is no reason that you cannot revoke the benefit and come back to us when you are. Yeah, I think that's something that's so important for patients and families to know. I'm always telling them it's not a binding contract. Once yeah. you're in, it's not like you can ever get out. Um, you right. can revoke at any time. Right. Yeah, being armed with that information is always helpful going into it. Uh, we're speaking with Christy Clark. She is the Director of Corporate Affairs for Agape Care Group, and we're going to continue our conversation with her. Right after this, don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5. 
AM680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Hey, if you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, be sure to go online to transitionslifecare.org. Transitionslifecare.org. There's plenty of resources on there for you. Don't forget, check it out. Transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson. We are very pleased to have on the line Christy Clark. She is the Director of Corporate Affairs for Agape Care Group, and we're talking all things related to Medicare for hospice. Um, we haven't covered this in a while, and we're having mm-hmm. a wonderful conversation mm-hmm. with Christy, and we want to uh, pick back up here, and let's get into a conversation of, okay, we, we've, we've kind of got an idea now of the mm-hmm. resources available to us. Now let's talk about, well, how long are those resources available yeah. to us? And Christy, you touched on it briefly earlier that it, the um, hospice under Medicare is usually a six-month benefit. But what happens if uh, someone who's receiving hospice lives beyond that six months? You know, what if they live for years or a year after? Does Medicare stop coverage after that six months? How does that work? Yeah, so um, that is a question we get a lot. And I think a lot of people hear that six-month number and it scares them. Um, And so then they don't end up electing the hospice benefit until what I refer to as imminent or end of life. Mm -hmm. And they've really missed out on all the care and coverage that they could have received. Um, And really loved ones help. Um, That's really big in this. But you can receive hospice benefits if you meet the criteria for hospice. And like we discussed earlier, and a physician has written that order, and the hospice agrees with that prognosis. Um, The benefit actually under Medicare consists of two 90-day benefit periods, and then what they say is an unlimited number of 60-day benefit periods. So as long as you are considered hospice appropriate, and we certainly have many patients that have um, not, uh, you know, been on with us much longer than six months, and we still care for them, as long as that person is still being um, looked at as terminal diagnosis and meeting the criteria set out. That's very helpful to know. Does you know, We've been hearing a little bit about Medicare Advantage. I feel like that's a mm-hmm. new buzzword. Everyone's <laughs> talking about Medicare Advantage plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, does being in Medicare Advantage plan change the way that hospice works? Um, so for there, right now, there is a, what's called a VBID program. I know mm-hmm. y'all are familiar with that. That's that value-based insurance design. Um, some states are participating in that. Uh, the CMS asked for a lot of volunteers to sort of demo this type of project. So I say that because we're talking kind of about two different things. If you are in a VBID program, um, then, you know, not to get too behind the scenes, mm-hmm. uh, I have a background of having worked with Palmetto GPA for 13 years, so forgive me for that, with, <laughs> with having to use this background of everything. But just to kind of give you some information on how it works behind the scenes is that um, that VBID would then bill the MAC, and they would do what's called a shadow claim. Mm-hmm. Um, and that claim pays no money, but allows the information to be placed in the system. However, for a regular Medicare Advantage plan, then that plan would just discontinue during hospice elections. Mm. That's helpful. To Probably know. way more information than I all wanted. To know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take all the info we can get. <laughs> so, can you stop hospice care? Like, what happens if you're like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. This isn't for me. I'm going to keep trying. Can you stop hospice care, and then will Medicare flip back to your reg- regular coverage at that point? Absolutely. And we touched on that a little bit above um, where we talked about um, patients having the right to revoke hospice at any time and for any reason. It could be that they just aren't ready yet. Some people come on and they're just like, you know, just not ready to end the curative treatment. Um, 
And we have lots of patients. Uh, most people think of uh, cancer as being the only diagnosis for hospice, but it's certainly not. And we have many, many patients that even graduate off of hospice uh, because care is, ends up being so good and they're getting so much more of it. So they certainly can revoke hospice at any time. And there are some instances where um, a hospice can discharge the patient. Um, and that's not usually the case, but if, they, if they're discharged, then the patient would then revert back to their re- regular Medicare coverage. Hmm. Very good to know. Um, so I get this question a lot too. When you're looking for a hospice provider, you know, you've sat down and you've made the decision and it's time to elect hospice benefits. Um, what are some key things that people should look for? Um, you know, I think a lot of times people think hospice is all one sort of big group. There's there's not different agencies or things like that. Um, so what should people look for? And do CMS report on quality metrics for hospices? Yeah, what a great question. Um, not all hospice providers are the same, just like not all physicians or hospital systems are the mm-hmm. same. Unfortunately, when our loved one is at a place that they are thinking of hospice, it tends to be at that imminent end of life. And they've missed out on the benefit that they could have truly benefited more from. So the time to think or entertain the idea of hospice should not be at that end of life when you have no other options. I encourage people all the time that if you have a diagnosis or you're getting older, ask the questions about hospice, even to your physician. You won't always have a physician who will suggest it, Um, but it definitely should be something you speak with your family members about and the person that's going to be your caregiver so they know what you want and when you want it. Um, that goes across the board with anything with um, your uh, final wishes. That should be something that's discussed um, periodically. Um, and then is palliative the way to go? Do you want to die in a hospital if you have a terminal diagnosis? Do you prefer to live your last months or day at your home or in a facility that doesn't have, um, you know, wires hooked up to you and, and beeping sounds and things like that? And these are important questions that can be answered along the way. Um, and make it much easier um, for final wishes and for um, choosing levels of care. Um, our mission is to serve with love, um, providing comfort and support through compassionate care and meaningful experiences. And that, I think, is what I would encourage you to look at at hospices. What is their mission statement? Do some research on it, and then do they live up to that? Um, also, look at the counties they serve. Serving in many counties also offers vast resources. So ask about inpatient units and tour them. Um, I told you that we were blessed to have four, mm-hmm. um, one in the upstate, one in the low country, and two in the Midlands. Um, so we have a hospice house in each um, section of the state that we can get our patients to. And I think that's important. Um, and if you don't have a hospice house, that's okay. Who do you contract with? Ask those questions. Um so that um, you know, ask the questions about um, touring where they may go if that you need a break as a caregiver and go in for respite care or GIP. That a lot of times can make a patient and family feel um, much, much better. Uh, if they, when they walk in, let's say, to our Landrum Hospice House in the upstate of South Carolina and see the mountain views and the beautiful chapel, and it's more of a home setting, it, it makes you feel much better. But ask those questions, absolutely, of um, what is your mission statement and do you live up to it? Re- do some research. Um, what do you offer? Um, where would I go if I need to go into a different um, setting? And um, absolutely, those, those things are, I think, key in choosing a hospice. Those are some wonderful suggestions. Christy, if folks want to find more information about 
Agape Care Group? What's the best way to do that? Uh, you can always look us up online, um, of course, agapecaregroup.com. And we are always um, here to, to help and assist. And you can certainly look us up on social media, too. We have an awesome social media following. So um, definitely look us up on those as well, agapecaregroup.com. Excellent. Agapecaregroup.com. She is Christy Clark, Director of Corporate Affairs for Agape Care Group. And Christy, we thank you so much today. I thought this was just an incredibly informative and insightful uh, uh, time spent with you. So we appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Thank you. We are taking a quick break, but we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson. Don't forget, you can always learn more about Transitions Life Care by going online to transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. Well, we just wrapped up our conversation on social isolation, but we've got a few more other topics that we want to hit before we head out today. And Sam, during the break, we were talking a little bit about um, issues related with where to seek care, because Mm -hmm. as we've been seeing in the news locally recently, that the Hospitals are, uh, are very, very busy right now, um, many to capacity due to uh, the rise in the Delta variant and COVID-19 continues to spike up a little bit again. And um, this can make it challenging if you're having a, a, a medical complication and need some care. Absolutely. You know, we've heard, too, from our teams that we have at Transitions. We have teams that are at each of our hospitals in the area. And we've been hearing, you know, the same thing from them confirmed that we've been seeing in the news is that, our hospitals and ICUs in particular and emergency departments also are really overwhelmed right now. So I think it's important to kind of talk about when and where you should seek care. Um, there's a great infographic that Wake Med has shared about where to seek care, when you should be seeking out care in from your primary care provider, mm-hmm. urgent care, and when it is time to go to the emergency department. And I think now, even more so than ever, is a great time for us to really kind of triage ourselves and figure out where we need to be going. Shout out to primary care. If you don't have one, now is the time. A good time to (laughs) sign up to get one. Um, So times to seek primary care, things like an ear infection, sprain or strain, allergic reactions. You know, like Mary said, if they're just accepting a new patient and you need to get a primary care provider, do that. Um, Things like colds, cough, flu, fevers, minor burns, cuts or lacerations, Small asthma attacks, um, bronchitis, you know, some of them you can do same day sick Mm -hmm. visits available. Um, And along with those things, you know, some kind of milder symptoms like nausea, pink eye, migraines, a sore throat, or just dehydration. Those are all some good things that you should be going and seeing your primary care provider for. My primary care has a same day sign up where I can just log into my MyChart and click need same day appointment and they'll get you something in 24 hours. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And even if it's a sick, that's for sick appointments, you know, it's not just a same day primary care. You can pop in and 
um, see them. And it's sometimes quicker than going to an urgent care where you're sitting for hours. Yeah, who knows how long that wait can be mm-hmm. sometimes. We've all been there. Um, I think another good thing to keep in mind, too, is a lot of primary care providers are also offering telehealth services. I know through Transitions, we um, have a great program where we can go and do telehealth consults. So some of the th- things where you kind of know what's wrong with you and you just need them to get you a script or kind of a, a, a more solid diagnosis or just someone to kind of check on your symptoms to make you feel more at ease, telehealth is always a good option that you can do right from home. Pretty easy. And I think moving from there into the urgent care space, Mm -hmm. some of the things that kind of, um, you know, you don't realize that you can do at urgent care. They can Mm -hmm. take care of, you know, minor bone fractures. I went to an orthopedic urgent care that's here in the area. There's regular urgent care, and they also have an orthopedic urgent care, which is amazing. So I went there, and they take care of minor bone fractures there, so you don't have to go to the emergency department for that and and wait for hours and hours. Mm -hmm. But they also do um, minor cuts, burns, rashes. I've got and stitches at an urgent care mm-hmm. before, um, ear and eye infections, cold and flu symptoms. You can go for the flu. I know mm-hmm. we're slowly we're making our way to flu there. season. Uh, animal bites, insect bites, a great first place to go. Sinus mm-hmm. infections. If you're really feeling sick and you don't want to go to the emergency department, definitely take that to urgent care. Um, sore throat and things of that nature. But I, I'm always you know, surprised by the things that you can do at urgent care, yeah. and it keeps you out of the emergency department. Mm-hmm. They can do a lot for you right there in urgent care. Um, And some of the things you should be looking to go to the emergency department for, you know, some of these may be a little bit obvious, but strokes, seizures, chest pain, really severe burns, um, abdominal pain, very severe abdominal pain. If you're having difficulty breathing, and of course, you know, a lot of these may be COVID associated too. Um, You know, Mary mentioned that at urgent care, they can take serum care of maybe some minor bone fractures, but any major bone fractures you would want to go to ED for. Uh, Loss of consciousness, a severe allergic reaction, serious trauma or injury, any problems related to pregnancy, you know, definitely want to go to the ED for, get that checked out. Um, And any really deep cuts or bleeding that won't stop, that you can't get handled at urgent care. Mm -hmm. Definitely times to check out the emergency department. And I know Mary was actually just talking with me off air about some awesome options for COVID testing too, if for folks who may need to get a COVID test. Um, I know I've been hearing a lot that appointments are booking up at Mm -hmm. CVS's and other places, but Mary, you were telling me about a really awesome option that's available now. Yeah. So I actually, for those who don't know, um, I pay for my grad school, which is (laughs) school, uh, my mountain of school loans from grad school uh, by taking on a part-time job at nights. Um, And so I thought it was the responsible thing to do since I'm out out and about a little bit more with that job um, to get tested regularly just to make sure that I'm keeping those around me safe. Um, so I've been looking at different options. It has been kind of a pain to go in and get a test regularly. So I found this about this awesome program. The North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services has started to partner with LabCorp um, and they're piloting a program to provide a no-cost at home COVID test kit to individuals in North Carolina. It's for anyone over the age of two who are experiencing symptoms or believe they may have been exposed. You can order a test kit directly from their website uh, and it's a no cost test kit. They, Amazing. It's awesome. I So you go uh, to pixel, P-I-X-E-L dot labcorp, L-A-B-C-O-R-P dot com slash North NC. Um, so pixel, you could probably just get Google 
Google Pixel LabCorp North Carolina and it would pop up. Um, you can also find this information on North Carolina Department of Health website. Um, but you provide your information, really simple. I put in my name, my address. Uh, it created a little Pixel account by LabCorp for me. Uh, it overnighted me. FedEx overnight shipped me uh, a collection kit directly directly to my door. I open the kit. You scan this little thing with your phone. It lets you register it. You quickly collect your sample and you pop it back in the little uh, box that they give you and you stick it in a FedEx bag that they provide. Uh, And then you can either schedule for FedEx to pick it up or you can drop it off at a FedEx box anywhere in the area. They even give you the website to look for the FedEx box. (laughs) And I did not know how many FedEx boxes were around my neighborhood. (laughs) Um, That's amazing. They tell you better than Amazon. I know. They tell you when the FedEx still in the Google thing, they even tell you um, when FedEx last pickup time is. So you make sure that your sample is picked up before the end of the day. Um, And then once I dropped it off, it even sent me an email that said it was received, like they've received it. It's at the lab. So I did this in the matter of I I requested the kit. It sent to me overnight. The next morning I had it before noon. I did my test that afternoon. I took it and dropped it off to FedEx yesterday afternoon. Um, and I got an email this morning um, while we were on air that says, your sample has reached the lab. They're inspecting your sample, preparing it for analysis. You'll receive an email when your results are ready. Um, and they give you the tracking number and everything. Wow. It is crazy. Um, but what a great program for people who are homebound because mm-hmm. you get the kit to your door and you can schedule for someone to come pick it up and so it's not even you do not have to leave your house to get tested for covid um and i I just that puts less of a strain on our healthcare system which is so stretched then right now and and our providers are you know the burnout is real Mm -hmm. um it really is real and so anything we can do to stay um healthy and to um stay out of our hospitals i think is awesome Mm -hmm. very important right now yeah and that Address again, pixel.labcorp.com slash NC if you want to find more information there or if you just Google uh, NC DHHS and COVID-19 home test kit, you'll it'll be the first result that pops up there. Well, we are out of time for today. I want to remind you if you missed any part of this episode and want to go back and share the information that we provided about social isolation and loneliness, you can go to WPTF.com, click on the podcast button. There you'll find the Aging Matters section, and you can listen to this program as well as every other program that we've done here with Aging Matters. It's a wealth of resources for you if you want to check that out. Go to WPTF.com, click on the podcast button, and find the Aging Matters section there. On behalf of Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson, I am Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a great day. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.